Good evening, fans, and welcome to episode 78 of the Uncharted Territory podcast. My name is Chad Olson, coming to you from Cellar Dweller Studios in lovely Gilbert, Iowa, where today we set a record. We set a record for lowest temperature since 1928 of 21 degrees today. It is cold. We had a very beautiful snowy Easter Sunday, the kind of snowy that reminds you of a Hallmark Christmas Eve special, except it was Easter, so that kind of sucked. But anyways, we'll uh, get going here and talk to the other fellows around the table here. Uh, let's go out to Virginia, my good friend, Stuart Lowry. Stuart, how you doing? Good to have you back. We missed you last week while you were in Boston having a tea party. Thank you, Chad. I'm delighted to be back. And it's Shiver Me Timbers here in Virginia as well. It is darn cold. There is a freeze warning tonight. Get your tender vegetation in, everyone, please. Get your plants in the garage. We have done the same. It's going to be below freezing tonight. We had a little bit of snow this morning, so it was an odd April uh, morning for Virginia, but you know what? Not This afternoon cleared. It was very nice. Uh, good weather if you wanted to take a walk or a jog or a run or whatever you wanted to do. Unfortunately, I was cooped in my office, so I couldn't do squat. But uh, great to be back. Uh, delighted to be talking about the game we all know and love and uh, all the other sundries that we go into and tangents that we take. So nice to be here tonight. Who do you think anybody took their, uh, before they put it inside, they took their vegetation for a walk today in this lovely weather, give a little last bit uh, ditch of sunlight? I was tempted to, Chad. Yeah. I really was. It, it really perks those fellas up when you take them for a walk. Yeah, you see people pushing baby carriages full of um, petunias, huh? I would have been right there with them. <laughs> It's been too cold in here to even put out any vegetation. I can't, I haven't even mowed my lawn yet. It's so damn cold. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go up to the northern outpost of the Olson family, Corey Olson in Maplewood, Minnesota. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Hello, promoters. You know, in comparison, it's been kind of nice here, which is very unusual. You'd think the northern end, we'd be the, the coldest, but Iowa got more snow than we did. We did. We got a, a few flurries on, uh, on Easter Sunday, and they stuck around till Monday morning. Um, but all gone now. And it was actually kind of nice at the end of the day, about 40, 45, somewhere in there. Uh, I think our high school baseball team finally got a game in yesterday. And I think our track team finally got a meet, uh, in yes, or today, hopefully they, they were able to get it done. So, uh, so we're doing okay. <laughs> um, hopefully it sticks around, you know, there's always, always the threat of more snow in April. Uh, uh, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens here, but, uh, I'm excited to be here with you once again, and uh, yeah, let's let's have some fun here tonight. On the weather front, I'm I'm looking like last Saturday or Sunday, and I'm like, oh man, it's cold and crappy. Can't get outside for baseball. But Friday, Friday's gonna be 70 degrees, and then they just in forecast it's still gonna be 70 degrees with an 80 percent chance of thunderstorms. So oh. I don't, I think we're actually building a dome stadium for Little League here in Gilbert because we're never gonna get outside again. I, through freaking soft toss for an hour last night on the basketball floor and my knees are killing me mm. you start wearing my knee pads there to baseball practice figure that one out fans okay and finally we will go to tim dalton in buffalo new york tim how's it going out your way i hope everybody had a happy easter and a a, a great dingus day and uh weather here in buffalo sucks so uh yeah i think that's about it you know we had snow on easter we had uh the, the dreaded wintry mix on Dingus Day, and uh, today it's been cold and rainy. So, hooray! Wow. So there's your there's your AccuWeather update from Buffalo. 
You know, Minnesota I celebrate. I celebrated uh, Cygnus Day on Monday, and I dressed up like Tong Soon. Actually, that's <laughs> a little known holiday. Yeah, I think, I, I think Stu would protest that holiday. Yeah, I am he'd... never celebrating Cygnus Day. Good. Every day is Cygnus Day, friends. <laughs> I protest. All right, but uh, looking at what's new in the Phil Singer Games universe, as the time we are taping, we've had two, two big. Champions of the Galaxy releases for the War Games 2092 set. First of all, we had Ursa Major, who Stuart, Stuart, tell them what famous movie star Ursa Major reminded you of. I believe that would be Lord Farquaad. Is that how you say his yes, name? Yes, Lord Farquaad. Yeah, from, from Shrek. <laughs> He's a looker, that Ursa Major. Corey, what do you think of this guy? Well, I talked about him on Roll Up last week because I had seen him just before we recorded that show. And uh, yeah, um, I believe, I can't remember if this made air on Roll Up or not, but Mike said that he was inspired by Jimmy Durante. Uh, yeah, for, I that too. Okay, okay. So I, I couldn't remember if that made it into the show or not. But yeah, I can see Jimmy Durante. I can see the, the Shrek character. Um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it went from your roof. Yeah. Omega! Omega in his manager role. Omega does not look like Lord Farquaad. No, <laughs> no, or Shrek or Fiona, or Shrek no. or Fiona even, or or Eddie Murphy, <laughs> or Donkey. <laughs> hey Corey, what do you think of Omega? I think this drawing is wonderful. It uh, it, it harkens back to his black and white drawing, but uh, uh, with that with that kind of robe that he had on in that drawing too. So I think it's a it's a fine drawing. And I'm really interested to see, you know, what kind of mechanics they put on this reimagined version, you know, since these are re-releases or reimagined sets have been coming out. All of the cards that originally didn't have anything except a distractor rating have been given some kind of charge, you know, interference or, or otherwise. So, um, you know, Omega to me was not a manager that would really interfere a lot um, unless provoked or something like that. But so I'm, I'm really curious to see what uh, what is on the back of his card in War Games 2092 reimagined. Some kind of training chart or something, or yeah, perhaps a giant tomahawk thrust. Yes. So, what seven. do you think? I really like this drawing, and I like it so much. I, I've always wondered why um, Star Warrior and Alpha Force didn't have more Native American type influence, because I think that would be a really cool dynamic to to take through the Omega family, kind of like the Young Bloods a little bit. Uh, I I think this is a great drawing. Uh, really like it. And um, I just, I wish we could extrapolate that more out to the entire family, but you know, maybe, maybe eventually, because um, Omega can't be the only one that was uh, uh, either influenced by Native Americans or has that kind of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, lineage, heritage, <laughs> heritage. Well, I guess those... I always thought like Elf and Force and Bloodline did have a bit of heritage, especially Bloodline. Yeah. Yeah, I would maybe agree. a little bloodline, but, yeah, but you know, much. but then Star Wars and Supernova. Yep. You know, they took after mom. Yeah. That's and a good point. So maybe it skipped a generation from Star Warrior to Bloodline. Because right, Star Wars, yeah, Star Wars Bloodline's dad, so maybe it skipped a generation. There you go. Yeah. It's like how Connor is six four and yeah. <laughs> skipped about five generations. <laughs> yeah. Our mom yeah. goes, Well, my grandpa was tall. I'm like, okay, that, that I don't get. Yeah. yeah. He looks like a tall Chad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he does. 
He does. He does. He does. So, anyways, all right. Uh, and then for the Indies line announced last week, someone I got to see for the very first time last October at a Revolver show, Ninja Mac. And I was so excited. I texted Todd during the show and said, Todd, we got to get this guy. He goes, we already do. I'm like, all right. And I went back to enjoy the match. <laughs> He's a fabulous flippy floppy guy. Yeah. Excellent. I'm, yeah. I'm very excited. Um, like I said last week on Roll Up, I, I love the drawing. Uh, just re- kind of harkens back to like an Akuba the Ninja or some other type of GWF character. Uh, so that just fits really well. You could bring them into your Kronos or, or something else. Yep. Okay. What do you think of Ninja Mac? You familiar with his body of work? I can't say. Well, I can't say that I am. Um, just having a cool visual here, fans. Uh, I can't say that I am, but as with many independent stars, I, I typically, once I see them, if I don't know about them, I go online and see what I can find about them. So I will be looking up some Ninja Mac matches, say that five times fast, uh, pr- uh, pretty soon. Check them out. Based on your recommendation, Chad. Yeah, I, I really, he was, you know, he was in some scramble schmazola, but he did some incredible stuff. Okay, Tim. So, what do you think about uh, Ursa Major and Omega, the the new releases? Well, you know, I've seen the uh, the, the the three new drawings. Uh, Ninja Mac. I, you know, like I said, I feel like Bazzy talking about uh, pre Hogan era American wrestlers. Where I don't know who he is, but the drawing looks good, and uh, you know, I'm I'm glad to have him in the game. Um, Omega looks like Omega. I guess that's the manager card uh, yeah. coming out. Yeah. Um, and then Ursa Major drawings terrible. Uh, I, I, am stunned that that even got, got through level one of review, but if that's what we got, that's what we got. It'll be interesting to see how he looks when they, uh, eventually have to upgrade the card. Yes. Uh, who, who knows what measures they'll use to correct his large bulbous head. So for today's main topic, we're going to talk about legends expansion nine and, uh, everybody should have it now and we can talk freely about the stats and everything, but I guess if you haven't got it yet, don't want to be spoiled, then turn us off and never listen to us again. All right, first, we're going to talk about the uh, terrific twosome from Memphis, Tennessee, Sputnik Monroe and Billy Wicks. Stu, take it away. Well, <clears throat> when we found out that we were getting Billy Wicks, we'd known about Sputnik Monroe for a while. When we found out we were getting Billy Wicks, I was absolutely thrilled. Because I think this is just, um, if it's not the feud that made Memphis, it's pretty darn close. Uh, these these two combined to pack a house, that, and that record lasted for almost 40 years in Memphis. It was the perfect uh, great clash of the quintessential heel versus the quintessential babyface. Billy Wicks was incredibly popular in Memphis. The two locked horns in history was made, and, and history was almost forgotten, as I've, I've said before on either this show or another show, and that, that this feud was almost lost to the ages in terms of nobody really remembering it. But thanks to the efforts of people like Mark James and other people who have documented Memphis wrestling history, it's been revived, and the documentary on Memphis wrestling certainly talked about it, too. Um, I thought these cards turned out great. I like Sputnik having a close-up. Uh, with the skunk hair. Uh, I think it just works. Uh, Billy Wick's drawing turned out great. The stats, I can personally attest that these are very even cards because I had my first match with them on the undercard of a, a card of mine. They had a time limit draw. The, it was a good match, good heat between them. 
The second match I ran, another time limit draw. So these cards are pretty darn evenly matched. Uh, so we'll be heading to a third, and I might just have to pull out the old ringside companion to do a specialty match. We'll see. Uh, and Scaffold, 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 scaffold match could definitely be in keeping with a feud for the 1950s era Memphis. So I can see that happening easily, but uh, thrilled to death to have both of these cards, certainly Sputnik, Sputnik who I've become a fan of, but Billy Wicks too. Um, I think this is uh, one of the great classic old feuds of the fifties and uh, glad it has been re resurrected. I'm certainly glad they're both in the game. Corey, what do you think about Sputnik and Billy? Well, like Stu said, we'd known about Sputnik for a while, and I think we mentioned before he was even a, at, on the drawing board for Expansion 8 with the, the memphis theme set. Um, uh, but when we got Dutch Mantel and then I think one or two other names, we decided to hold off on him for the, until this set. And uh, this is, you know, a lot, a lot of promoters had been uh, uh, requesting Sputnik as a possibility for a long time, so really cool that Travis Heckel was able to connect with his family and, and get, this, get this done and official. And uh, Billy Wicks, you know, I didn't really think would be a possibility, but this was uh, this was Sam Fain, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so great job, Sam, in, in connecting with Billy's family on uh, just to have this uh, this feud be able to relive that again. And uh, yeah, just really cool. I think uh, Chad did a really good job or Chad and Tim or a combination of, uh, you know, getting moves for guys that where there isn't much video footage, if anything. Uh, so they did a really good job of really making uh really making these cards as as accurate as can be so nicely done all right tim what do you think about these guys i always kind of like it when in 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 a set you've got a ready-made feud just coming in so that yep. that's kind of cool to have that uh that going i thought the I, I thought when we were looking at potential uh um photo references for sputnik you know he's a guy that that didn't have a bodybuilders physique or anything and he had a distinct look so i think the close-up really really works well it really pops for that card um billy wicks one of those guys again you know just not you know not a lot of footage out there for either of these but um just kind of cool to have both of them i think it's uh, uh you know it was definitely not easy uh, i know chad you you did most of the the heavy lift on the uh the stats for these guys and i mean they're in a lot out there. I mean, you got to go by news newspaper articles and most of the stuff written on Sputnik is really the stuff regarding the race relations and things like that. And not necessarily the, the results of the matches and the nasty stuff that he did in the ring. So, um, but I, I just think it's great. It's a great, it's, it's a great uh, ready-made feud to really kind of kick off this, this expansion. After these guys uh, consulted with Stu, looked at wrestling's finest and Dale Spear, checked out rampage and uh for billy i use more training videos of him from youtube than actual matches um but yeah there, there wasn't a whole lot out there for these guys but we were able to kind of come up come up with some stuff for them and try to portray them and i think they did come out pretty good so i'm glad they're working well for you Stuart. and in a shocking announcement i have not used them yet so uh <laughs> i know i know uh, my scaffold's out of order right now because my my scaffold, I have a different ring crew for setting up the scaffold. They've been on strike since even like 50, longer. Yeah, yeah, I was like yeah. 50, yeah, about 30 years now. So it's it's quite rough. So okay, next we're gonna go look at the uh the the dynamic team that probably never was or didn't team up a lot, but could be uh Antonio Rocca and Ilio DePaulo. Tim, take it away. 
So I did the uh, most of the, the the stat work on these and Ilio. I don't think I changed this card setup at all. I might have updated a couple moves and switched some things around. Um, but as far as the actual way the card was set up and was laid out, I don't I don't believe I changed anything. And if I did, it was it was fairly minor. I might have changed a defensive reversal, maybe bumped a defensive reversal for him. Um, Raka was a little bit different because as we've said on the the show before. He was one of those guys where, where we kind of wanted another shot at him because his level three defense really hurt him. And I was kind of glad to, to get a chance to, to go in there and watch a bunch of his matches. I mean, he was just such a dynamic performer. And I kept thinking, he does a lot of head scissors. Um, flying head scissors, uh, you know, uh, uh, headstand head scissors. I mean, he just did a lot of head scissors. And I was like, man, I don't want to feel like I'm, repeating myself on this card all the time, but he did this a lot in different variations. So I, uh, I tried to get him in there without making the descriptions too ungodly long for, for Mike and the people putting the cards together, but um, just a lot of fun. I, you know, rock, I think will be, will perform a little better now uh, probably where he needs to be. You're talking about a main event guy, even though he never held the, uh, the world title, he was a main event guy wherever he went and he was a draw. He was an attraction. So, um, so he, he's kind of a big deal around here. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, really love putting these two cards together. Uh, they, they, they really do make a good team. I think I teamed them up in my fed back in the million years ago when I was playing, but, uh, just two really solid guys, uh, really good local, uh, or, or kind of regional guy and then a national headliner. Uh, so I think, uh, I think people have a lot of fun with them. Yes, I agree. Corey, what do you think about these two? Uh, these are just two great cards. And I know both, especially Raka, were on the list of, you know, requested for black and white redos into color. And like Tim said, it was great, especially with Raka, to get another chance to redo them as far as getting them into that right level. And I think Tim really did a great job of of doing that here with this with this color version. Um, Raka had great success with his black and white card in my fed, but but that defense did hurt him. You know, he'd beat, beat guys that, um, that you expect him to beat, but then lose to guys you don't expect to. And so that was hard to, to kind of keep him around and, and try to push him, so to speak. So, but I do plan to bring him back now with this card. And I haven't used Ilio yet. I've definitely wanted to for a long time, as, as we've said, having been to his restaurant and everything, uh, got a great appreciation for him and his history. So yeah, maybe I'll bring these two in as a team to the, to the USWA. Right. Very good. Stu, what is your opinions of uh, Mr. DePaula and Mr. Rocca? Really like both cards. Uh, really like both drawings. Really like both stats. Uh, I, I had teamed these guys before, too. Uh, they didn't win uh, the tag team titles for me because I would team them and then, uh, then take them out of the fed for a little while and bring them back and i just never really got on a run with them but i could see me doing that now i mean the the, the color version of ilio well actually both of them really pop uh Raka and his orange trunks are pretty darn cool and it's just different and ilio um ilio i, I think it was what it was uh the, the color version of him really just didn't push push to ilio over the top for me i used him a little bit in the black and white but I'm going to use him more. In fact, I already kind of have uh, dabbling with uh, some maybe secondary title runs with him. Um, I think they're going to be a lot of fun in tags, and I'm going to use them more in that capacity. And I'm 
like to give Rock a real shot at a, at a good title reign to see if he can do it uh, with this card. I think he should. Because like Corey, I, I, he probably, if I kept real good statistics, he probably won more than he lost, but it's close on that first card. And he, he should have won more. And I, I think uh, the guys hit the nail on the head in terms of the defense prohibited him from doing that. But delighted to have both in color. I, I think they're both very strong cards. I believe uh, both these guys have really, I really like the drawings for both of them. And like, like Stu, I think you mentioned the orange on, on rock and really pops out. And I'm looking at the little Iliad Apollo action figure that Tim got me one time. And I looking at him right now and comparing the card and it's very, very good, uh, very good likeness. And um, yeah, I, I've never used either of these guys either, but I think Rocka's card definitely stands a better chance now. And um Tim put a lot of research in there. I remember the head scissors discussions and I'm like, well, he did the head scissors a lot. Let him do it. You know? So let's, let's uh, keep him. He's kind of, he's like Roderick strong. He's the Messiah of the head scissors, right? Is that what the kids are saying? The Messiah of the backbreakers. That's what they still look at me like that. Corey, knock your teeth out. All right. They, so they, yeah. that, 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 I'm, I'm yeah. with you. They did do that. And how, yeah. did, how does one get an alio action figure? I don't remember where you got that for me. Where are these found? I got them at the restaurant. Okay. Cool. That would have been my guess. So. Yeah, I had them. I, 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 they had them there. And so I, I think Sweet. I got uh, I got one for, for Chad and Corey. And I think I got one for Minskoff as well, which is probably one of the more valuable assets in his estate. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Without question. All right, so next, uh, Corey's going to talk about Don, Leo, Jonathan, and Wes Thatcher. Yes, thank you, Chad. And I just, I was scoffing at your Messiah of the Backbreaker comment because I thought you said Robert Strong at first. I'm like, who's Robert Strong? Is he a, is he That's if he joins the York Foundation. There you go. There you go. Okay. Although Roderick, I think, would be a fancy York Foundation name, too. Well, I would think so, yeah. But I digress. Yeah. Well, anyway, so back to Les Thatcher and Don Leo Jonathan. Um, really cool that because these guys could be in the set. Of course, Les was on the uh, January uh, perennial. And, um, you know, he was a great interview, great guest, um, great way to plug this new set. And he's been great on Facebook, you know, promoting the game um, and hopefully, you know, maybe reach out to some some other legends that aren't signed and, and make some connections. That would be awesome. You know, just a huge name in history as far as just his time in the business and his connections to so many other legends, you know, maybe not the biggest main eventer or star in that sense, but so influential on, on so many things, has done so much. He's been a commentator, a trainer, you know, just just done just about everything you can. Uh, so really cool that we could get him in the game. I have not used him before, but I, I hope to at some point. I, I, I kind of like this color drawing better than his first one. Well, the first one was a good, solid piece of artwork. It just, it was his younger days and without the mustache, you know, I just don't see him as Les Thatcher. You know, I, I, I realize it's him in the younger days, but that's what I like about this color drawing, uh, having the, the hair and the mustache, you know, that's the Les Thatcher most people would recognize. And then Don Leo Jonathan, um, you know, just a, a great star, used him early on in my Fed in the black and white days. Again, talking about the artwork, I liked the face on the first drawing but i didn't really like that close-up so much you just didn't get as much of a feel of what a giant he was uh so that's one thing i like about this color drawing is is the the perspective and the angle of everything and just kind of a cool pose we don't have a lot of drawings like that in legends at least so um i think that really fit for for don leo but 
Uh, yeah, just a just a remarkable name, fans. If you haven't seen footage of him, you know, go out of your way, track him, track down some matches. There's good a good amount of stuff out there. You know, he was just so ahead of his time as far as being the agile, high flying big guy, um, doing things that other giants wouldn't weren't doing as much back then. And uh, you know, if he'd come around 20 years later, he'd probably be doing things like the shooting star press and and moon salts and things like that. Uh, and if you want to say he does them in your fed, go right ahead. Uh, but um, but just a tremendous talent. And uh, and again, another name that had been kind of on a requested one from promoters for uh, for a color re-release for a while. So glad we could get him in the set. He fits the theme and uh, it was a great, great time to re-release him. What are your opinion, thought, comment, commentary on Don Leo Jonathan and Les Thatcher? Very excited to get Don Leo Jonathan. Uh, in fact, I'm having a fun little feud or have had a fun little feud with him. And uh, a bootleg version done by my esteemed friends here of Ric Flair, of all things. So the, it was an odd pairing, but it was working. And um, it over I who has Jonathan, the coolest roles? Uh, <laughs> Oh, but that is an excellent idea should this feud continue on. Thank you, sir. Winner gets no the other ones. Exactly. No wonder they call you the best booker that doesn't play. Uh, Don Leo Jonathan was, he certainly would have been on my uh, my short list of let's get this guy done because uh, I, I liked his first drawing, but I think this drawing is just really, really strong. I mean, it was a tough tough reference to try to nail and uh, i think warner did it um it's just a really good drawing it pops the card is solid and uh i don't know i've become a fan i've certainly watched uh enough of his matches to get a real appreciation of what a freak athlete he was certainly for his day and and chad you're exactly right had he come along in modern times he would have been doing all those crazy flippy floppy moves we uh we have come to take somewhat take for granted these days he was just an incredible athlete uh less thatcher uh, Count me as one who really did like that first drawing. And that was Steve Stanley, right? He did that first one. Yeah, it, it was a really strong drawing. And in his first iteration, with me at least, uh, he had a run with the, when I had a junior heavyweight title, Les was right in there with it. Um, I'll certainly use Les again, uh, probably more in a tag capacity. Uh, sometimes I use a lot of these junior heavies and tag, tag teams versus trying to uh, use them in a junior heavyweight capacity because I don't even have a junior heavyweight title anymore. Uh, so looking forward to seeing what I can do there with Les and just delighted to have both cards in the mix, so to speak. Did you notice he said something like less is more? <laughs> That's why Corey and I are laughing. No, did I? <laughs> what did he say? He said something like, I hope to do more with less or something. <laughs> Oh, oh shit. that was funny. <laughs> the stuff writes itself. That is awesome. That was it awesome. does. <laughs> I wish I could say that was uh, intentional, but no. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Speaking of awesome, Tim, what do you think? <laughs> this is the show that does more with less. I you like got that right. <laughs> it, yeah, sometimes well, we do with less, less with less. That's <laughs> the yeah. Um, I I think it's great. Both these, uh, I, I thought the drawings on both of these were strong. Um, like Corey said, I think it's from a, a good time period for Les Thatcher's card, uh, where he's got the big bouffant hairstyle. We we had a we had a little bit of uh, an issue getting the color right. Uh, we the colorist uh, originally had him a little darker and a little bit reddish, but I think we got that corrected uh, before the card came out. And then uh, Don Leo, I mean, I think that 
we were a little bit concerned because the quality of the photo reference wasn't that high. Uh, but we thought that, boy, if, if Werner can pull this one off, it's going to be a great shot of, of Don Leo. Uh, and I think he did a really good job with it. And I think it looks fantastic. And I think, uh, you know, as has been said, it, it's one of the more requested guys to get in there. Again, I don't think there's a lot of changes to the card, but I think his original card was pretty, pretty solid as it was. So uh, just uh, excited for, for both these guys. I agree. I mean, all, I think everybody in this whole lineup, um, except obviously the new guys, but, you know, people have been making cases for a lot of these guys to get colored and updated. So it was, it was pretty cool to, but I think this whole roster is very exciting. And I agree with you guys too, especially the perspective on Jonathan um, is, is just awesome. That was one where it's like, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the best reference, but Warner knocked it out of the park. And I, I think Warner did an excellent job, um, you know, from top to bottom on this set in terms of artwork. And I think it might be one of the best legend set he's done. And that's just me thinking off the top of my head. So I'm sure people might debate and, and, put another one out there i think the memphis one was pretty good too but that was um, yeah. uh this this vintage set is is great artwork as much as i do like to complain about the art i thought he did a very good job on this set yeah yeah, yeah all around especially considering a lot of these photo references were black and white and yeah. uh and we, we you know just coming up with other references or whatever we had to warner did a good job of kind of piecing some things together yeah and the coloring is just fantastic especially like yeah. don, don leo's tie-dyed shorts yes really there. really strong yeah yeah yep. yeah well, um, i was just saying i definitely think this is the best top to bottom i agree yeah then we have our final two guys in, in the uh the main roster of the set we have yukon eric and pepper gomez and um i actually worked on both of these guys and in both cases there was a lot more footage available than when we originally did their cards um and the the funny thing about Yukon Eric was that body scissors on level three number four, he would use that all the time. Guys would charge into the corner on him and he'd grab him in it. Um, he'd grab it, you know, on the ground. Um, we kept the name of the Kodiak Crunch, even though the only time I saw him use it in a couple of matches, they called it the icicle hold. But his son had given us the Kodiak Crunch name when his son talked Tom way back from Black and White Cards. So we, we wanted to preserve that. Um, but yeah, what, go out and watch some of the footage of Yukon Eric because he, he he's a big guy, um, but he gets around the ring pretty well. I mean, we still give him an agility of plus two. He's no high flyer. Let's not get crazy. But I mean, he, he just he was a fun guy to watch. And then Pepper Gomez, I was able to watch a lot more stuff from him. I had some uh, footage from a San Francisco set from Rock Rims, and there's some good amount of stuff on on YouTube and. We spoke a little bit before about how we kind of deconstructed the Mexican leap from a separate finisher into a setup move for the Mexican cradle. Um, because as I watched, he didn't do the leap a lot, but then he, when he did, he would immediately grab him in the cradle. And I kind of thought back to uh, uh, Corporal Aegis's, I think it was his original Champions Galaxy card, where his opening salvo move then led to whatever his finisher was called. That's escaping me. Um, so I kind of, I dug out that card and, and looked at that and, and tried to do something to kind of replicate that and i kind of like the way that came out and then we you have the the punch to the stomach gimmick too where people would punch him in his powerful abs and he would shake it off and i mean if, if you see any stuff from like the mid 70s from from houston pepper's a little bit on his decline there he, he may not have as much powerful abs but uh and he has kind of a shaggy hairdo but 
check them out from like San Francisco um, or any of the stuff from the sixties. And you'll see a great worker who probably could have sold out candlestick park with Ray Stevens had Ray Stevens not broken his ankle racing a go-kart. Uh, let's see, Tim, what do you think about these guys? Yeah, I like, I like both these guys, uh, both very, uh, uh, you know, uh, good personalities to have. You've got the, uh, the, the ab gimmick with Pepper Gomez. You've got just the wackiness of Yukon Eric, uh, just from all the stories you can read about him. And I, I think I, and with the Kodiak crunch, I've, I've seen it called that too, in other, in other references and other places. So, um, you know, maybe when, when you were watching and they called it the icicle hold, I mean, it may have been just something in that area that they came up with, but I have, I, I know I've seen it called the Kodiak crunch in other print materials somewhere. So, um, and I, I think it was kind of good that we preserved a lot of the stuff that, that his son originally talked to Tom about when we were putting the card together. But uh, yeah, both of these guys, I'm, I thought you did a great job with Pepper Gomez coming up with the, uh, the whole, the whole thing with the finish. I thought that w- worked out really well. And I'm, uh, uh, if I ever play again, I'm, I'm looking forward to using both these guys. So we'll see how that goes. He definitely was a character uh, that, that Yukon Eric driving around his convertible with no, no shirt on. Uh, Corey, what do you think about these two? I think you did a really great job, Chad, of just kind of freshening them up a little bit stat wise without, you know, totally overhauling the cards and, you know, keeping true to the, the big key moves they did. And, uh, I really like how you came up with the Mexican leap, Mexican cradle combo on Gomez. I remember with that black and white card reading about what you mentioned with the, the leap usually leading to the cradle and always wondered, you know, what's the best way we could really represent this on a card. So I think, I think the solution you came up with was a great one. I've, I've, I had just brought back his black and white card to my USWA before we um, had officially made this roster for expansion nine. Um, And so I was using him and he he was getting a big push out of the gate and still is. Um, I've switched now to his color card and used him uh, I think two times already. And he's doing very well. Um, he'll, you'll see in my results here as I catch up in the coming months, how he's doing. So, uh, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see long-term how he does with this, with this color card. Uh, one thing I don't know if it got into the bio, um, his ring rating of a, and that might need some explanation, but Pepper would do a, a spot where he'd either leave the ring or get thrown out of the ring. And then he'd climb under the ring, uh, kind of hide from the opponent, then come out as the heel was looking for him. He'd come in the other side and, you know, drop kick him or ambush him somehow from behind. Uh, so that's, that's the idea there. If he takes over, you can say that he hit under the ring and, and surprise the heel on the other side, really cool spot. So, um, and, and Yukon Eric, I uh, haven't used him in a long time, but I did enjoy using his black and white card. Um, just, yeah, as, as has been said here a number of times, he's just a, a cool real life character as far as his personality and everything. Um, in addition to, you know, his in-ring persona as well. Um, you know, I think initially when we made him in the black and white days, I'd probably have to say at that time, all I knew about him was he was the guy who got lost his ear to killer Kowalski. But, you know, since then so much more has come out about him and more matches that, yeah, he was definitely more than just the victim of a bad knee drop. He, uh, he, uh, had a great career, a short one, but, uh, but a great career, um, apart from Kowalski. So I really like this drawing and, uh, um, definitely hope to bring him back to the USWA at some point. 
know, perhaps if you wanted to put a modern twist, when Pepper comes goes under the ring, then when the opponent looked for him, Wee Man from Jackass could come out from under well, the ring. You know, we do have we do have Hornswoggle in the indie game. So oh, I mean, there we go. You know, I mean, I yeah, yeah. yeah there <laughs> that, you go. That's an idea. <laughs> it's something. It's, it's something. But it's something, Booker. And and if you if you if you do mix the black and white cards, you still got Sky Lolo and Little Beaver too. Oh, yep. that's true. Oh, you do. That's true. Yep. So, Stu, what do you think about these guys? Uh, love Pepper getting a, an updated card. I I've used him. A fair amount, certainly uh, in vying for a secondary title. Uh, Pepper has been kind of a favorite of mine. And I like this new artwork a lot. I like him being in color, and I really like the, the stats. It, the whole card just works a little bit better for me. And, in fact, he is my secondary champion right now. So uh, great to have him. I uh, look forward to getting the Ray Stevens feud kicked off with him. Well, I've done it before, but I'm going to be – Doing it with uh, both of them with enhanced cards and, and drawing, so it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to kicking that off soon. And yeah, Corey, you're absolutely right. UConn Eric was a he was a star certainly at a regional level. I mean, this guy was a fairly big player uh, for you know a relatively short amount of time, but he was he was an attraction. I think this drawing, I don't know, probably above all else, in my opinion, this drawing was really, really strong. Uh, the coloring on UConn Eric's card, I mean, I, that's going to probably put him over with more promoters than than his black and white. It's just a really, really strong drawing, and Werner did a fantastic job with it. So delighted with both cards. For uh, Pepper Gomez, as I'm looking at his card, that airplane spin on level three, number four, um, I, I briefly considered giving him that as a finisher because he used that a lot in some of the footage and that might have been from maybe his San Francisco days I don't remember off the top of my head but in, in the first few matches he was winning a lot of you know if it was multiple fall match he'd win a fall with that he, he was doing a lot of damage to that airplane spin all right and last but certainly not least what uh, some might think are, is the greatest tag team of all time, if, if not the greatest, they certainly popularized tag team wrestling. We have the Kangaroos and Wild Red Berry. And Corey, you researched these guys and put them together in a nice little package. Take it away. Thank you. Uh, this was a lot of fun to, to revisit these guys. Again, uh, uh, some names that were really on the promoter's wish list for color redos. Um, you know, as, as Chad said, yeah, I mean, top tag teams of all time, Road Warriors, Fabulous Kangaroos. I mean, the whole mentality of an Australian tag team match, I think, kind of came from the fact that these guys were Australians. Um, but just really cool to kind of go back and see them. You know, some of the matches I'd seen before, but there were a couple new ones, not a lot, but a couple new ones that, that popped up on YouTube and various other sources since uh, the black and white card days. Um, you know, I know in for the original cards, uh, promoter Frank Coutino, is that his name? Does it, yeah, okay. And I don't, I don't know if Frank's still playing or not, but if you are Frank, let us know. Uh, but he was a good resource for the, for Costello and Heffernan as far as some of their moves. But now having video footage, we could just kind of get a better picture of some of these things. Um, you know, some new moves that popped up. Um, I mentioned this um, in the episode we did with our team meeting and the pre-recorded audio. Costello, there's a great match out there with him against Jesse James, and it's a two out of three falls match. And it's from the time he was in the Kangaroos because Heffernan and Red Barrier in his corner. But that was just a great find as far as just getting some moves for him because he had this reputation of being, you know, the man of a thousand holds. 
but in the tag team matches, it was kind of hard to pinpoint some of those specific unique moves. And the, the Jesse James match, you know, he used a backbreaker slam. He did it three times to win one of the falls. And then his new finisher, the Australian backdrop, he won the first fall actually with that. Just a cool, you know, kind of a, in a sense, like a, not an amateur move, but kind of amateur inspired where he grabs that double chicken wing and drops backwards and almost like a O'Connor roll or reverse cradle bridging type of pin. Um, and the name was uh, Jimmy Lennon, the, the ring announcer called it after the fall. He said that he won with an Australian backdrop. So I'm like, oh, we got to use that name. So because I'm like, what the heck do you call this thing? Um, the kangaroo leap, I'm going to give thanks to Pike Mojo, Justin Bulka for, um, he pulled up a lot of great articles and references there. And that was one that he found for me. Uh, where um, Heffernan would jump off the top rope, either onto the guy's back or stomach, and, and Costello would hold him down. And in a lot of the territories where top rope moves were illegal, this was really pushed as like an illegal, you know, just nasty move. So I thought we had to get that on there in, in some form. And uh, of course, the boomerang they had before, but just a unique move for its time um, as far as a double team and, and everything. And uh, Costello would later do that in his later Kangaroos team with um, uh, Bulldog Don Kent. So if someday Don Kent ever gets signed, we can kind of have Costello just ready to go as is uh, to team up with, with Don Kent and uh, don't have to give him a second card. Uh, we changed up the agility and power in both of these guys a little bit from their original card, just based on some new, new findings. Um, you know, Heffernan had a little bit of a bodybuilding time frame, so he kind of um, made his power a little stronger, but he was still very agile, would really leap into the ring when getting tagged in and really do some kind of not, I don't want to say high flying moves, but he was just very agile for, for that time and in his movements in the ring. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is a really cool team. And then of course, Red Berry as well. We decided to kind of give him um, to pay homage to his active wrestling career because there was some crossover between his active career and when he started managing. So we didn't feel that was that necessary to have a, a separate manager card where he's weaker. You know, if you wanted to tone him down, you could always use the coming out of retirement chart or the injury chart or something like that to, to weaken him as a manager. But I think he warranted having a little bit stronger competitive card. Um, again, a big star for his time, you know, kind of a name somewhat, even though he wasn't a world heavyweight champion and, and maybe not a, a full-time, you know, big main eventer at the top of the card all the time. You know, he had, he had a lot of, he crossed paths with a lot of celebrities. Um, there's audio footage of him out there on, on various um, kind of comedy variety shows from the time period and everything. So he definitely had his own name within the business, you know, not just in within wrestling, but pop culture as well, to some extent. So um, he was a, he was a light heavyweight champion, um, just a great heel. I mean, the wild name just really, really uh, fits him as, as kind of a smaller wrestler. You don't think of him as, as vicious and much of a brawler, but he would, he would kind of sell for, or kind of no sell punches, you know, take a while to get knocked off his feet and, and things like that, uh, make it hard for the baby faces to knock him down. Um, and he was, he was vicious. That Gilligan twist is a really unique submission move. Um, we described it, but if you haven't seen it, it's kind of a, starts like a scorpion deathlock, but then he just keeps the guy on his back and just kind of wrenches the legs. Sometimes he'd pin him. Sometimes he'd make him submit. Uh, but he definitely had a lot of really cool, um, unique maneuvers and, uh, just a, a really great star. So really cool that we could do these three as the prime release. And, uh, I was glad I, I got to work on them. I enjoyed working on them as kind of a package deal. Like Chad said, Tim, you had lobbied for the colorization of these two, uh, two guys and their manager. How, what do you think? You know, I, yeah, I've been, 
I, I've been looking for this one for a long time and, and I'm glad that they, they finally got done. I thought, again, artwork, I thought was stellar. Uh, I thought uh, uh, Warner did a great job. Although at one point when we got a, got a draft of the cards, we had the wrong name on the wrong drawing. Uh, so we had, a, we had to get that taken care of. That was kind of interesting. But um, uh, I, I thought it was great to get them. They're, they're, sig they're probably... I think you can make a case they're probably more historically significant than the Road Warriors. Um, success in the rings, probably, you know, you could go either way, depending on, uh, you know, what, what source you're looking at. But I just think it was great. I did a lot of play testing on these because in, in, I think because they were so successful in my fed, I was kind of protective of the stats. And I was like, man, I want these guys to be right because I, I want them to be able to beat everybody. And so I uh, did a lot of testing online in the uh, the play-by-play -play simulator, just against all the other top teams that we've got out there to see where they would sit. I think they may falter a little bit against uh, teams that are a lot stronger, like the Road Warriors, or maybe if you do in the Powers of Pain, um, uh, they may have a little bit more trouble with, but you would think in real life, they would have more trouble with those guys because they were so much bigger. So I think that's that's realistic. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thrilled to have them in the game. I think it's overdue and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how, uh, how they do for people in their, in their respective feds. Hey, Stu, what do you think? First of all, those blue jackets just pop. I mean, again, the artwork there is just really helping to sell a team that really doesn't need that much help in being sold, but the artwork did them a favor. Uh, all three of those guys. Uh, they were or they are one of the greatest tag teams in my Fed's history. I had not used them in a long time, uh, and I really don't know why, other than I was just getting more and more interested in the color renditions we were getting of these guys. The uh, the black and white version, those those drawings were still pretty strong, too, and I want to say that was Stanley as well, but I might be completely wrong on that. But was it Sunny Straight or before that? or I can't remember. But the drawings were good. I think it was sunny, but I'd have to I'd have to dig it up. Okay, I always liked those drawings too, so, and I got more and more interested in the kangaroos and certainly their place in history as I read more and more about them. So delighted to have them in the game. I, I think, like Tim said, it is overdue. I think these drawings were top notch. I think the stats are solid, and they'll be where they need to be, and I'll, it probably will revive my interest in them um, simply because sometimes great drawings will do that. Um, I thought the stats, again, were spot on, and I'm looking forward to using them uh, as a great heel tag team and looking forward to using Barry more as a singles competitor. I think that'll be fun. He'll certainly be a secondary title type uh, singles competitor for me, and he's got a pretty good card, so can't sell him short either. So in any event, really like the addition. It's got to be one of the best promoter prime sets we've done in terms of talent and their place in history. So really cool stuff. I agree that uh, that blue man. When I saw those drawings in that blue, that just popped. That was big. Um, yeah, the, the coloring on the set was just fantastic, and um, it was funny when Mike had had the the drawings. He's like, "You see what's on Barry's um, the crest on his jacket." So Mike asked, "Do you have a better photo of uh, what's on Barry's chest?" And I said. 
no, I can't find anything better. I'm like, I don't know, have him put a kangaroo on there or something. But he did, he was able to figure out something. I'm not sure, you know, what's on there, but it, it looks like a crest befitting of a man of wild red berry stature. And then the same thing with the belts. He asked, you know, what what do those titles say? And I did find something that had a little more of a close-up that said United States Tag Team Champions 1961. So, um, you know, I'm glad we could contribute and kind of define those uh, drawings a little better. And uh, yeah, they're just fantastic. And I'm excited to have them in there. And Corey did a lot of great work and research in those cards. And um, Tim, Tim did the play testing too. So that, that was good on those. Okay, well, that kind of wraps up our, our look at Legends Expansion 9. Hopefully people are enjoying that and having a good time. Um, you know, please let us know maybe who your favorites are from the set or, or what, what cards are doing well for you. Um, like I said, hopefully you're having a fantastic time because I think we were really excited to get all those guys in color and get Sputnik and, and Billy Wicks out there. So uh, this week we do have a question of the week, late submission by our friend Thomas Keene. This is a question for Uncharted Territories. How do you fellows do your rankings? Big title challenger? Do you do more storyline challenger or by rankings? So, uh, Tim, why don't you ask answer this first? Because I know what your answer is going to be because you do love your rankings. I I, I love I love Excel. I live in Excel. Yep. So, I can put it in the chat there in case you need to refer to it. Yeah, I I I use Excel to to keep all my one loss records, rankings, all of that. I've got point uh, totals by how you win or lose the match. So you get more if you pin somebody and, and you get more negative points if you lose by pinfall. Um, I, I, I keep that. And then I, 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 do, um, I, I do totals. And I also do uh, like average per match because some guys may have 10 matches. Some guys may have 15 matches. Uh, but then I use that as a guide and the, the actual rankings are, are more subjective. If somebody's on say a five match win streak or six match win streak, then they'll get a little bump up. If somebody's lost five in a row, then they're going to move down a little bit. So I, I use that as my, the, the spreadsheet as my guide. And then I just kind of make some subjective adjustments here and there, um, you know, to the, to the rankings as I, as I go to based on what's been happening lately and, and like strength of opponents also. So, um, but that's pretty much how I, how I always did my rankings. Okay. Corey. Um, You know, I kind of mentioned this before, but I don't really do rankings as far as, you know, a top 10 or top five or anything like that. I do, I do use Excel also. I use, um, a sheet that Tim put together just for my booking and planning of, of cards and matches. And then um, within that same spreadsheet, a separate tab, just for overall win loss records. Um, I do total, you know, pin um, everything, pin submission, DQ, draw everything. But then I also do a separate section uh, for just pin and submission, just to kind of track it and just see how people are doing. Um, I kind of take into account, you know, more recent win streaks, um, it, as far as the title shots, it can be, you know, a couple, you know, if guys had, you know, like Tim was saying five, five match win streak, give, give them a shot at one of the belts or, um, but uh, and a lot of it too, is kind of storyline driven. I, if I want to give, um, so-and-so a title shot in four months, I try to set him up with matches that he can hopefully win. And as I said before, obviously the dice can change things, but 
you know, you, you, I try to build them up to that shot with some matches. That'll be good, good wins, hopefully guaranteed. Obviously nothing's a guarantee, but hopefully good wins uh, so that he's worthy of getting that title shot. But, you know, there may be other factors. If he's a past champion challenging for the belt again, and he never got his rematch or in a tag match, he pins a singles champ, even if his overall singles record isn't that great. I do take those kind of things into account, but I don't, I don't really do a, as detailed of a rankings as, uh, as Tim does. You? Well, I've used a number of different systems. I used a point system when I first started playing and uh, that was just based upon a win in a certain kind of match. If you won in a normal match, it was worth two points. If you won in a specialty slash feud match that was worth three if you want a title match that was four so on and so forth so i would rank by the amount of points uh that you had and it's a pretty simple system and then i used a, a hybrid uh that was inspired by the title belt boxing game in which i assigned each wrestler a point value so in that in title belt your top stars got it assigned to uh a top boxers were assigned a, a point value of 12 and it went down from there. So Star Warrior by, by virtue of comparison, Star Warrior would be a 12 in the Champions of the Galaxy game. So if you beat Star Warrior, uh, if, you're wrestler, if a wrestler beat Star Warrior, it was worth 12 points uh, just based upon how good a wrestler he was. So I would rank that way. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've scrapped all that because it's just too darn complicated, and I just book by feel and who I want to see. Uh, I'm, I've become more interested in uh, ever since I adopted this title tour model from another player in another game. It wasn't original to me, but I'm more interested in what the wrestler does with the belt, and I, I really scrutinize the amount of defenses that wrestler gets uh, while holding that title and see how well he does and see how well he does over his career. So I don't really rank anymore. I, I really just look at the matches I want to see and are most interesting to me. So I guess it's more book by feel now than anything else, but that is an excellent question. And I'm always interested in how people do it because it's soup to nuts in terms of how people determine title contenders. You know, one thing I'd like to kind of add in too, is I know that some people, um, and again, this will this will go into my eventual rant against the raw ratings and why I feel that they're they're worthless. And maybe you know I'll get into you know baseball and war and why that that's no good either. But um, but uh, uh, I, I don't like the way that some people kind of say, well, you know, if a guy's got a raw rating below X, then I, I won't put him in the the main title, the big title tournament. You know, he he could be a secondary type guy. But I think if if somebody's on a seven match winning streak, you, you got to give them a shot. I mean, you got to do something. I mean, and you lose out, I think, by not putting those guys in the mix on some of these great stories where things just kind of happen organically. And all of a sudden you've got a guy out there that maybe, you know, gets the title that you didn't expect him to get. But then he wins against five different guys and he does great. And you, you kind of miss out on those things. Um so, I mean, I've never been one and in, in, in to throw guys into buckets where if their raw rating is over X, then they're a world title contender. If their raw rating is below X, then they're a secondary title contender. Um, I, I just, I, and I, I have a lot of guys too that, that, that are tag wrestlers that's, that wrestle a bunch of singles matches. So you give them a shot too, even if they don't have a singles finish. Um, you know, I mean, I, I try to use everybody how I would use them if I was doing something. And if I need a 
body to wrestle somebody and all I got left are tag guys then you use a tag guy um but yeah I mean that's I I just want to make that point I just you know and I look anybody can play however they want there's no wrong way to play the game but that's just something that I I think you're kind of you're kind of short sheeting the bet a little bit if you don't you know let some of these guys that maybe aren't statted it to the moon uh you know get a chance with your with your main title but there's my I'll, I'll get off the soapbox now and shut the hell up i'll just add to that i mean i think that's a great point tim you know and i kind of mentioned this on other sh- episodes that you know at times i think it was on our uswa re- year one recap where Stu asked about you know would you put certain guys you know in the southern title level or, or the you know and initially that was kind of my thought but now it's just kind of well just kind of do what seems right you know um you know based on on matches on upsets on feuds that i like doing i mean just it's 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 up to you promoter i mean it doesn't you don't have to play a certain way just based on how guys are statted you can just do do what what you feel like Stu. yeah i i just to dovetail a little bit on that i i definitely do it by old historical feuds of mine too so i mean mm-hmm. it, yeah if Godsend wins the belt, then and if he gets on a roll, eventually he's going to face Omega in my GWF because those two have been warring against each other for years. And, yep. uh, you know, same holds true in the Legends Fed. If I've got two guys with historical background, if uh, Bobo gets the title or Bach gets the title, they're going to face each other eventually because there's just that history built up. And I like to honor that history by continuing to to go to it. I, n- I never get bored with it. Uh, yeah. I'm the fan, so... It's my game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I agree. Um, I don't, I mean, come on. I invented the scaffold battle rail. So there's not a lot of science in my freaking rankings or ratings or anything. It's completely by fields, completely by, uh, you know, whatever seems right at the time. And then you go back and look. And if you actually counted the wins, lost, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But you know what? It's what I felt at the time. So, you know, I felt, uh, I felt like so-and-so was deserving a title shot. So I gave him one based on what they had done lately, you know, or, or momentum like Tim talked about. Um, and yeah, I was never shy about giving anybody a, a title shot if they were, you know, quote unquote, just a tag wrestler, um, you know, Hey, give, give them a shot. Who knows what could happen. It might turn to something fun. So thank you, Thomas, for your question. Hopefully that uh, gave you, I, I don't know, something, uh, <laughs> some, some sort of insight uh, or something you were looking for. Gave, may have given him indigestion. Yes, exactly. Um, but let's go around the room and wrap this sucker up and put this puppy to bed. Corey, what do you got? Thank you, Chad. I want to give some attention to our fellow content providers of Phil Singer Games materials. Of course, Sam, Mike, and Todd over at Roll Up, the official podcast of Phil Singer Games. And thanks again for having me on as a guest last week. Had a lot of fun with that. Of course, Grant Pachoco and the Phil Singer Games fan podcast. Uh, Dave Little at Heartland Championship Wrestling. Steve Tower from After Further Review. Lee Longpree and the Dizzy Dice podcast. And Brock Atkinson at Brockster Builds on YouTube and Twitch. So thanks again, promoters. For so many great hours of uh, material and topics revolving around this game that promoters can download or, or watch or listen to and get some great ideas for their feds. Other than that, no, just had a, another fun time as usual with my friends here. And uh, thanks everybody for clicking, downloading, and listening. Do well, I alluded to this, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago when Ring of Honor got bought by AEW. It was a, I've, I've had very few mark out moments in pro wrestling uh, over the last 10, 15 years, but I, I had one for me 
when I saw the Ring of Honor World Championship defended on a fairly prominent national cable show. And while it wasn't my favorite match of Ring of Honor of all time, although it's getting good reviews, it wasn't my favorite, but it was still pretty darn cool to watch that championship belt defended in prime time on a prominent cable network versus having to search for Ring of Honor, finding it in some obscure time and watching uh, or you know, recording it or watching it later or just however which way you could find the the, the show because it, it's access tv tv at uh, 2 a.m <laughs> about what it was it finally settled into a good a good time for me locally here when it got on sinclair but i mean verse before that good gosh but that was a cool moment for me because i've just i've like i've alluded to or said before i followed ring of honor from the very start and just watching that take place and i i get the feeling they're going to do it right. I hope they're going to do it right and uh, how they position that Fed within a Fed, so to speak. And I was just really thrilled to watch that. Very cool and well done AEW. Hope it continues. Other than that, after a week-long absence, good night, Denmark. Now Denmark this week. Tim. Denmark's been awake for, for like two weeks now. They're, they, they're, they're waiting. I bet they have been. <laughs> Well, I just uh, I, I just want to say as we're recording this on a on a Tuesday, um, uh, it, it was nice to uh, get get past the uh, tax filing deadline, which no longer really concerns me as I don't have that much to do anymore. Um, although I was uh, helping out on a few returns for some friends of mine in Rochester, uh, but it was it was nice to kind of get through that. I'm sure they're they're sleeping much better now as as are the people that uh that work at my old firm and uh got to go to uh opening day for the rochester red wings again uh keeping the the streak alive had my garbage plate have already posted a couple uh uh things on the discussion board going back and forth about the the uh the contents of said said plate uh you know at various times during during the history of that uh that that fine uh, that, that fine entree. So, uh, unfortunately Red Wings lost to Buffalo, uh, six to four, but, but was still a good game, game time temperature, 62 degrees. So you can't beat that. And, uh, just, just had a great time. So, uh, other than that, just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I'm, you know, always grateful to, to have people tune into this and just kind of have, uh, people listen in on our weekly get together here. So, uh, hope everybody's doing well. Take care of yourself, and we'll be back again next week. Beth, I enjoyed the garbage plate discussion, which kind of segued out of the great hash brown debate and, and yeah. catch up or no catch up. <laughs> a, a garbage a garbage plate's going on my bucket list, by the way. Oh, so. yeah. 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 You get but, you you get up here and we'll 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 take the trip to Rochester and go to right. the Tahoe's and get you the get you the full experience. <laughs> well, maybe it's we sweet. need to have a uh Uncharted Territory special report live from Rochester and Tahoe. Live remote. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A, a live live remote. Uh, from the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm a fan of the beans instead of the macaroni salad because that's just boo. That's gross. Yeah. Boo. And yeah, I that's put, the that's the way they used to they used to do it. It was like you could have one well, and people a lot of people don't know what white hots are. They're they're basically pork. Uh, it, it's pork instead of beef. Uh, so they're they're white, but they're hot dogs. Um, so, and it's a, like a rot, it's not even a Western New York thing. I think that's pretty much a Rochester thing, but it was like red hots, white hots or hamburgers. And then you could have beans or Mac salad 
and then you could have French fries or, or home fries. And then they would slather on top of that the uh, the spicy meat sauce, a ton of onions and mustard. And that was that was the plate. And depending on which, if you went to the original Nick Tahoe's, whatever you ordered, uh, you would probably not get exactly what you ordered, but you took it because it was in a rough neighborhood and you just, it was probably like two or three in the morning and, uh, you know, you didn't want to cause any problems. So that's the, <laughs> that, that, that was my, my, uh, initial experiences with the, the infamous garbage plate. That episode will be sponsored by Pepsi. <laughs> So I want, to, I want to thank everybody who talked, uh, took time to comment on episode 77, the great hash brown debate. Uh, MT, Emperor, Scott, the Flash, Norton, Matt, Vegas, Pariah, not Axel Rose, Derek, uh, VB, Kevin T, Butcher, Faction, Balasilver, LA Wraith, Thomas TK, Sinestro 24, and Victoriol 84. Thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to us and, and taking the time to comment. We do appreciate everybody's interaction and uh, all the all the good fun we have in the comments, which is almost as fun as uh, recording the podcast as well. So, well, for tonight, fans, we will say uh, see you later. Take care of yourself and be excellent to each other. Thank you very much for listening. Hey, promoters, it's Corey again, and we would love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topic suggestions, or any other comments, and we might include your audio in a future episode of Uncharted Territory. There's two ways you can do it. You can go to tinyurl.com backslash U-N-C-T-E-R. Again, tinyurl.com backslash U-N-C-T-E-R. You can click the message button and record up to a one-minute message, and we can include that in a future episode. Or you can email us either audio or a written question at our email address, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. Again, utpodcast2020 at gmail.com. The 2022 George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend takes place July 22nd through the 24th in Waterloo, Iowa. Come see many of the legends of wrestling and the future stars of the sport. This year's Hall of Fame inductees include former WWF Tag Team Champion and NWA TV Champion Mike Rotunda, as well as seven-time WWE Women's Champion Trish Stratus. Plus, for the second time in history, the Gordon Soli Award for Wrestling Broadcasting will be presented, as good old JR Jim Ross will return to Waterloo to receive this honor. In addition to honoring these wrestling legends, a great card of wrestling action will be presented on Friday night at the Five Sullivan Brothers Center. This card will be brought to you by Impact Pro Wrestling, one of the top independent promotions in the Midwest today. See stars in action such as Two Cold Scorpio, Colt Cabana, Wes Briscoe, the current Ring of Honor heavyweight champion Jonathan Gresham, and the stars of IPW such as James Jeffries, Bryce Jordan, Justin Decent, and AJ Smooth. Beat legends such as J.J. Dillon, Jerry Briscoe, Rock Riddle, Thunderbolt Patterson, and referee James Beard. Also meet legendary wrestling coach and American wrestler Dan Gable. Get autographs from these stars in one of the most fan-friendly wrestling fan fests around. There'll be several podcast interviews throughout the weekend, plus plenty of Phil Singer Games action, as the third TNT Hall of Fame set will be released along with the first ever IPW set. Phil Singer Games tournaments will take place on Friday afternoon as well. 
For all access passes, call the museum at 319-233-0745 or visit the link in the Uncharted Territory podcast notes. That's 319-233-0745. The 2022 George Tragos Lufez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend, July 22nd through the 24th in Waterloo, Iowa. I'll see you in Waterloo. Let's edit this. Let's do this again. Let's fucking start quick. <laughs> oh, good. Well, this this seems like it's going just like it normally would. <laughs> Even better. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> this has gone off the rails. Corey, what do you Dude, think of um, Omega? <laughs> I, think it, I, think, I think it's a fine drawing. I can see some influence from the original black and white Chuck Carter drawing with the robe and everything. And uh, um, But I thought, I thought it was a fine drawing. I'm really interested to see you know, since they've, these reimagined sets have been coming out, we haven't had the old managers only with a distractor rating and nothing else. Uh, so we've always had some kind of chart, I think, correct? Oh, Doomsayer, Sweet Thing. They, sweet Thing had a chart on the reimagined one. Yeah. I thought you meant they hadn't reimagined anybody who never originally had a chart. No, let's do this again. Okay. <laughs> Corey, what do you think of Omega? <laughs> Fucking shit. <laughs> Fucking shit. Well, so you think that, of that's Omega. what you really think of Omega. Right, one, more time. The one more time. One more time. Well, there you go. There you go. Because, right, didn't Star Wars fuck a rat and that's how we got Bloodline? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll, we're going to edit we're, that one now. We're out of India on that one. Because, uh, <laughs> It's <laughs> the first impossible last Jimmy Durante reference the show will ever have. Oh no. Oh, then there will be more. <laughs> Good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are.